0: So before we get started, I need to put a content warning at the beginning of this episode right here right up top just so that you have all the information uh that you need to decide whether this is an episode uh you would like to continue listening to or not. Uh this episode is going to deal with uh mental health, uh topics of mental health, uh mental health uh struggles. Uh, challenges, uh, up to and including thoughts of suicide. So, if those topics are uh, upsetting to you, or are too intense for you, or just something that that you don't want from a silly podcast that occasionally talks about transformers, this uh, this this episode might not be for you. Um. Just want to give you a a fair warning. Um, And and with that being said, I I, I guess I'll just kind of jump right into it. Um, Normally at this time, I I would say something to the effect of, um, hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host and on today's episode, blah, blah, blah. And I would tell you about what I am uh, uh, talking about. Um, This episode is a follow up of sorts. To um, a live stream casual hang I did on free comic book day uh, last Saturday um, and I dropped a few hints and I, I had even said that I'm making it a point to say it very publicly on a live stream and on a podcast that I turned around and published immediately to make myself even more accountable uh, this is the existential dreadcast. Uh, this is a episode, a conversation I have been meaning to record uh, for a very long time. Um, there, there have been times that uh, th- this was going to be uh, talking about my creative struggles um in, in this space being a, a independent podcaster and whatnot. But what I've discovered very recently is that my problems and challenges and difficulties go deeper than that. Um I I'm gonna uh put this Right out here, and again if if you're still with me then 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 you're with me. I am really struggling i I have uh, found myself with with a variety of it's difficult to describe, and um basically i I just kind of feel like not to sound cliched or stereotypical, but like the walls are closing in um stuff that's beyond just kind of like, you know, I I'm grouchy or I'm grumpy, having a bad day. It's it it's more existential than that, more more deeply rooted. Uh you saw by the title of the episode, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be here today. And um the catalyst for one the inspiration for that title and really kind of like what the the first part of this motion of this uh conversation is going to be is I am going to talk um extensively here on the on this first portion about Kevin Smith uh writer director Kevin Smith and his um uh, recent sharing of his mental health uh challenges and some of the things that he's uh done to face those challenges and stuff that he's shared that he's struggled with um his entire life and i i think i i've I, i've talked about on this podcast that i've drawn a lot of inspiration from kevin smith's work um clerks is you know it, it's a touchstone for uh so many folks my age you know, and um, and, and it and it's gone beyond that. It's extended beyond that. I've I've you know I, I've been a fan of his movies. I've been a fan of his comic books. I've been a fan of his uh, podcasts. I you know I've read his books. I I've consumed enough Kevin Smith material to say that uh, pretty uh pretty confidently that that I'm a fan. I don't know if I'm a super fan, and I think I I think I tried to parse some of that out and and talk about some of that during my Clerks three episode. Um, I I'm probably going to talk a little bit about Clerks three here, um, as, as perhaps I come to it in in context. Um, as you can already tell, the, the this conversation is going to be very uh uh freewheeling. i i don't really have a whole lot of notes in front of me so we're uh you know i i'm just i'm just i i'm trying to accomplish a couple things here one uh pay off the uh commitment that i was actually going to sit down and do something and and talk about uh what's been on my mind and what what i'm feeling and and what i can do about it i also do want to talk about the 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 kevin smith of it all but, um, I also um, just recently, like I actually this week i I've had um a couple things come to a head where I really need to uh capital letters do something um because that that feeling that I've been having recently of unraveling. Um, has come to a head in, in, um, in, in, in a couple ways. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff and it's going to get deeply personal and perhaps uncomfortably personal. Uh, you are probably going to learn things about me that you won't be able to. Unlearn or, or unknow. Um, I, because I, it's my intention to just lay just about everything bare, um, so that I can rid myself of some of the, the trauma and burden that, that I've been experiencing lately that is uh, gradually pushing me away from people. And uh, quite frankly, it scares me. And I've, I've had an attitude recently of um, being incredibly self-destructive. Like I've got nothing left to lose that, that kind of thing. And it's just, just a lot of dangerous, scary thoughts. So, I know I've laid a lot of track and I've probably scared you and I, I I'm sorry for that because it's, it's I'm doing one of these things where I'm like telling stories all out of order. And from like a sideways uh, uh, perspective, um, I'm okay. I'm fine. And both of those in kind of like the, the very matter of fact kind of ways. Um i I am not having thoughts of hurting myself today right now um, I have had those thoughts recently uh, more recently than I'm comfortable with um but right now talking to you i'm 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 okay uh, it's it's really like I think the thing that I've been struggling with the most is mood swings um, I, I, I feel like I'm on top of the world in one moment and just in the bottom of the sewers the next. And, um, quite frankly, I, I, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, but I, I, I'm going to save some of that more deeply personal, uh, stuff for later on in, um, In the episode, I keep I I keep correcting myself where, like, my inclination is to say show. I'll have that later on for you in the show. I'm not doing a show. Um, And it's interesting how this will end up coming out as a quote unquote episode of the Mike Cyber Radio uh, podcast. But um, I I was going to talk about this later. So I I, but I I may as well just uh, um, put it all out there now, just in, in the interest of. Um, full disclosure, I, um, I had an appointment, uh, set up with a, uh, mental health counselor and I'll talk way more, uh, much more about, about counseling later. But basically what happened was my appointment got canceled and it sent me, uh, spiraling. I, I, I just kind of like did it, did a downward spiral, uh, just like that nine inch nails album. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I, I kind of panicked and it, it was it was a feeling of panic and anger at the same time. And I landed on well, if talk therapy is valuable and that is something that I that that I do value and I, I believe in talk therapy, why not just do it here? So the 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 tone, the cadence of this episode ch- has changed a bit from well, hey man, I want to unpack some of the Kevin Smith mental health stuff and then kind of use that as a springboard to uh kind of self-insert my myself into that narrative and use that as a as a reflection to talk about some of my struggles and use that as a platform to uh talk about the importance of taking care of your mental health and being aware of your your mental health and and to look out for uh warning signs and signposts and 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 know how to get resources to 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 be helpful all of that has has kind of been turned inside out and now I am just straight up doing therapy so this is going to be kind of parsed out, uh, like I said, in in a couple different ways, um, but th- there there will come a point that maybe you can't listen anymore, and and I I totally understand, and I greatly appreciate that. I I my goal in this, well, my goal is selfish. I I have had a challenge getting the help. That I think I need. And now I'm turning that inward. And in trying to help myself. And I'm trying to help myself. In one of the. Uh, relatively few ways. I know how. I know how to. Turn on a microphone. And talk into it. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, and again. You, you can hang around. Uh, for, for as much as you would like. Um, I know that I value it when my friends on their podcasts talk about their mental health uh, journeys. And um, I, I, I hope that perhaps me just even talking about it is somewhat of and inspiration to normalize talking about this type of stuff because it's okay to talk about this, this kind of stuff. And maybe even my, um, even the way I'm doing this is is maybe not as sincere and as genuine as, as, um, you, you, what you've come to know from me. I'm basically just going to um, hide it and sandwich it between uh, two other episodes and with the thinking that, well, I published it. There you go. And, you know, I, I know, I know um, my friends will find it. I, 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 I'm sure um, I, I, I will get uh, any, any number of bits of feedback, um, which I, I, I'm sure will, will make me um, embarrassed um, but it, th- th- this is just what I feel like I need to do, um, right now in this uh this um particular headspace that I'm in. Um, but I've already gotten far, uh, far, far ahead of myself, um, as a uh, as usual. Um, I want to wind the clocks back to April twenty sixth. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I saw a post on Facebook from Kevin Smith and he i i didn't it, it, the the post was in such a way that um i i didn't quite exactly know uh what it was i i saw I, in fact i saw it on my phone uh while i was out for my morning walk um i saw there were a couple photos uh, one of uh, a, a screenshot from uh, People magazine, their social media uh, headline, uh, Kevin Smith reveals he got mental health treatment after his, quote, unquote, complete break from reality. The other photo is uh, Kevin Smith, uh, what, what looks like on a, a Zoom, just talking to a camera. And then in um, I, I just saw like the first two lines of the post, uh, which, uh, which reads, and I'm going to read the whole thing for you, but what I saw first was, having been a creature of the internet for 28 years now, I fully expect to get trolled for this, but if it can help some folks, it'll be worth it, so here goes. A few months back, I went through a mental health crisis, and I think that that was about all that I saw at that point. And I already saw that there were, um, uh, a couple thousands of shares, um, a couple thousand comments and, um, and just as many, um, you know, um uh, likes and whatnot. So, so I stopped on that and I, I, I remember that I actually stopped walking, which I don't do often, um. I I I and I just kind of looked at it and then I then I I saw the comments or some of the, some of the top uh, couple comments uh before I even expanded the post um I saw um a a comment from uh, Mega Ran uh who's a um independent nerd rapper um actually does a song on uh the Clerks 3 soundtrack and incidentally because I can't turn it off um uh, we're we're still hoping to do the Clerks three episode of unfunny nerd tangent where uh, Greg is going to invite uh, me and a couple other folks, including uh, Mega Ran, who has been on his show um, a couple times as well. We're we're really just kind of waiting for Ran's schedule to clear up. Uh, that that's what the the delay on that is because um, I've. I've wanted to rewatch the movie and to talk about it because my friend Greg has very different feelings about Kevin Smith and the whole Kevin Smith um oeuvre, the 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 whole um uh, I I I don't know the Kevin Smith universe. I um he he has very very different feelings uh than I do. Like I come from it from a I'm a longtime fan that doesn't consume everything and then has kind of found myself becoming increasingly lukewarm. Uh, Greg is a guy and I I don't want to put words in his mouth other than words that he's said on on podcasts. He's pretty much off the off the thing. He 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 thinks. uh, Kev Smith has kind of lost his mind. Um, which, which is unfortunate phrasing given the, the uh subject matter I'm talking about uh today. But basically, like it, it's Greg's perspective that uh Kevin Smith has never been the same since he's been on weed. And um that also kind of comes into this um uh, th- this particular uh story and topic that I'm gonna to talk to talk about with you here. Um so he and I are kind of sort of in alignment, but not exactly. Mine has just kind of been like a gradual lukewarming. His is almost like, full stop, I'm done with you, Um, that kind of thing. So he had very different feelings about Clerks 3 that, than I did. And I talked about this on the live stream uh, last Saturday, but I haven't watched Clerks 3 uh since i saw it live uh with uh, the kevin smith q and a uh during the convenience tour when it when it came here to seattle um and i've been kind of afraid to um because knowing where the story goes and the outcome of it um i don't know if i want to relive that and so that that's kind of been weighing on me but um I mean, I bought the 4K. I bought the 4K steelbook. So, you know, I paid for it. I may as well watch it, but I can't bring myself to do it. And, um, but I want to. And so, so in a sense, I need a reason, you know, I've talked about wanting to do a follow up podcast and, and that initially the follow up podcast was going to be, uh, unfunny nerd tangent with Greg and Megaran and, and whoever else would be on the panel. But, um, I don't know. I, I it's it it's it's been longer than I was anticipating. Let me put it that way. But uh let me get back to this the this post because I'm 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 losing the thread. Um I saw the comments first. You know, I saw Megaran, he said thank you. And um, you know, Facebook kind of curates for like, you know, people you're friends with. And I am friends with BJ Shea, who is a uh morning show uh radio host here in Seattle on the Big Bad Rock station probably like probably the the um if not the biggest morning show on Seattle radio um certainly up there um and so anyway he uh he is an aspirational figure to me uh someone who I've looked up to and is someone who I drew direct inspiration from this was a cat that was talking about nerdy stuff on, uh, on the radio at, at a time where I was very impressionable and falling in love with, with uh, uh, the format of talk radio. Um, So anyway, I I have a, I have a lot of affection for this dude and he writes um, Kevin, thanks so much for talking about this and being a great example of how to be "Quote unquote," okay with not being okay. Much love to you, my brother, and that. So again, I, I did I didn't know exactly what what the extent of this was, and I, I and impulsively I I shared it, and I just put a caption that says like wow or or something like that, um, w- without really reading it, understanding it, comprehending it. I just knew it had something to do with with Kevin Smith being very open about um uh mental health difficulties so that so that immediately uh resonated with me and and it's interesting um I I think I've talked about before how the trajectory of things that happened to kevin smith no i I, that that's not the right way to put it when he had his heart attack five years ago um it i I found myself profoundly affected um you know very very upset and it, it was a confrontation with my own mortality it also didn't help that around the same time that my uncle's brother uh, passed away very suddenly. I mean, I did like a whole episode on it. I I changed the the theme song to to reflect his uh, favorite Def Leppard uh, song for um uh I, I I man I I think I think I kept the Guten Gleben, Lousen Globen thing for like a year um uh but anyway so it's so. so that was a time where I was really confronted with uh with my own mortality. And even then I, I would have to go back and listen to those episodes or that episode, because I, I remember talking kind of in the same tone that I'm talking to you now, kind of understated, kind of kind of hushed a little bit, uh reverent, I guess would be um another way of putting it. But um I I remember speaking very earnestly about like, you know what, uh hug your loved ones, uh, call somebody you haven't talked to in a while. And it's kind of interesting how um I, I could be so very gung-ho about that attitude and then lose interest very quickly. I feel my attitude today in terms of taking Things and people and circumstances for granted is the same as it was prior to uh, those uh, those two incidents in uh, in my life. Uh, Kevin Smith's heart attack and, and my uh, uh, my uncle's uncle's brother passing away. Um, I, I don't know what else to call him. It's like so it's it's my aunt's husband's brother. I but that doesn't make him my uncle. I don't think. Um because he's he's not married to my aunt. I feel like I've said all this before. <laughs> so, um but anyway, I um so I I finally found some time uh later that day or maybe the following day to go through this post because it it's a Kevin Smith post and he types the way that he talks. Um so I'm just going to read you um the entirety of uh of his social media post. And um, then we'll talk a little more um, about kind of what came after. Um, So having been, uh, this is Kevin Smith, uh, having been a creature of the Internet for 28 years now, I fully expect to get trolled for this. But if it can help some folks, it'll be worth it. So here goes. A few months back, I went through a mental health crisis. Rather than succumbing to grim alternatives, I sought help at a mental health facility called Sierra Tuscan. Uh, Sierra Tucson, geez, Um, where the therapist saved my life and helped me find my lost marbles. I learned incredibly useful information on the subject of trauma, and I've shot a video about it so that other folks who have experienced trauma and minimized it to survive like I did might not feel so alone, split, embarrassed, or broken. There's always help out there, kids. Don't be afraid to ask for it. Seek it out. And the other side of the hardest thing you'll ever go through lies your joy. Seize it. Because you deserve happiness in this very short life we're lucky enough to get. As bad as troubles can get, it can always get better. Don't waste your time obsessing over the unchangeable past. Stop worrying about the unknowable future and focus on this moment, the here and now, and breathe. Before I left the place that helped me, my therapist wrote these words down on an index card that I will always carry with me for the rest of my days. You do not have to earn love. You are lovable simply because you exist. It's a simple sentiment, true, but one I've needed to hear for decades. I hope it brings you as much comfort as it has brought me. I want to thank the people at People Magazine for helping me get the word out and hosting my mental health video. Uh, to watch the 35-minute talk, go to the People Magazine YouTube page. There's nothing to buy as I'm not selling anything. But after my heart attack, I tell the story about it everywhere, uh, um, to uh, the Colbert Show, to podcast, to medical conventions. And over the course of the last five years, I've met and heard from thousands of folks who said that receiving the heart attack information made them look into their own heart health or the heart health of their loved ones, which in turn saved some actual lives. And while some folks and while some folks experience heart problems, everybody suffers from trauma. I wish you the absolute best, Kevin Smith. So um, I. Was profoundly moved by that um by by the sentiment and the elegance with which he conveys that notion um so then later actually in between that the, the this is a this is a little uh a fascinating uh, bit of apocria in between the time that I Saw this post, and I think before I read it in its entirety, I, I I don't remember the details are a little fuzzy. I was talking to a friend of mine at work, who th- this may have been the same day. Rolls up to me, he's like, y- "You're a fan of that Kev Smith, right?" Yes. Um, and uh, had this conversation about like, "Oh yeah, well, apparently he's he's uh um talking about." about mental health because like you know he had some like bad sexy times when he was a kid or something i i don't really know he was he was was incredibly glib about it and i just kind of blew it off i'm like i don't i don't know i don't think i had read this post in its entirety uh, putting myself back in in those shoes um but he he was talking my friend was was talking about how uh every few years, Kevin Smith needs to do something to uh, remain in the spotlight or the, the cultural zeitgeist or part of the conversation. Um, And I pushed back. I I nodded. I did. I did agree to an extent, but I pushed back and said, well, I, I don't, I don't think he had a heart attack specifically to be relevant in the news cycle. And he's like, true but what about everything after that and knowing how the the kevin smith machine uh fired up post heart attack it's it's difficult to disagree so i i ca- i could see that from uh from a certain perspective a certain point of view i think there there is a uh, portion of uh, Kevin Smith's presentation that is crassly consumerist, and that's probably the stuff that I find most distasteful to me. Like, I'm not a part of like the that Kevin Smith club. I I've I've never felt compelled to like engage on that. Financial level, like I'll go to his shows, I'll buy his stuff, you know, that that kind of stuff. But like, but there's a certain line that that I draw. And um, I, I've talked about being uh, lukewarm. Um, one one of my uh, favorite podcasts that that he hosts is Fat Man Beyond uh, that he hosts with Mark Bernardin, and it And it's very much pop culture. Uh, movie reviews, TV reviews, things like that, very much in my wheelhouse. But, um, recently they did an episode where, um, uh, apparently Kevin discovered the super chat function on YouTube and it was, it was gross. I mean, I, I, I turned the episode off several times and then ended up having to come back to it. Um, it was, um, I don't know, just, just, uh, I understand that, that we're in a uh capitalist society. Um but but some blatant cash grabs are just gross. I just I, I don't know how else to put it. Um but but so like his his gross over monetizing of himself puts me off often. And um I don't know. Um but anyway, so so I had this, this discussion with uh with my friend at work and it was uh um i didn't really think anything of it. It's like, oh well yeah, you know, i I'm sure I'll hear about it on on some podcast. And then uh Mark Bernardin hosts a episode of uh Fat Man Beyond uh by himself, which he titles Black Man Beyond. Um uh Where he did a solo show, and he um mentioned briefly at the top that he's like, "You know you've probably seen that the that kev put some stuff out. I'm not gonna talk about uh the Kevin Smith stuff you know we we wish him the best um but but I'm not gonna talk about that let's let's talk about the finale of uh Picard let's talk about the the finale of Mando. You know, let's talk about what's going on in the news uh, coming out of CinemaCon and and all of that other stuff. It was it was a really solid episode. I I I re- I like Mark Bernardin. I I like his um, analysis, and um, he gets me to look at stories from a new perspective that that I've never thought to. Um, so so I I like that. I again I I I like his analysis. So. Um but anyway, so even then, so like the so like the the one, two, three punch of like, oh man, there's really something going on. I think then at that point was when I read this post in full. And then um I found the video on YouTube. The the um uh, it's thirty five minutes long. It's called Trauma is Trauma and it's uh it's hosted on the people magazine uh youtube page, and I started watching it while I was at work like after I got off my shift but before I packed up and left and I, 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 I was deeply moved by what i was what I was listening to I like kevin smith when when he's earnest and honest and sincere. And I think the stuff that I don't like is like, Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith. I think, uh, you know, uh, Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith. And I'm the biggest fan of transformers. Here's a, here's a, a auto converting Optimus prime. And just like I, um, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Kevin Smith. I'm a fan of transformers, but I wanted to vomit watching him and Jay Muse uh do do this Carney Huckster uh commercial for, for the RoboSen uh Optimus Prime. It just I I just I found it uh, disgusting, uh quite frankly. Um because basically Hasbro just just paid him to um uh, shill I, I think I'm actually using that accurately. Um he he to uh, shill for a uh, IP that I know that he has uh contempt for. Um go watch Clerks too and uh and, and and you'll you'll find out how Kevin Smith feels about Transformers. Um how did I get there? Jeez. Um but anyway the 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 um I I was I was moved by what what I was hearing in um in the video. So I I uh, knowing it was 35 minutes, I was like, Oh, I, I I don't want to sit here at my desk with my headphones on and, and watch this, this Kevin Smith video. That's already deeply affecting me. I, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to get in my car and drive. So, so that's what I did. I, you know, in it, it's, it's just him on a simple white background talking to the camera. So I, I just connected it to, to my, um, uh my car sound system actually my car sound system i i don't know if i've told you about this or not but but basically it is as low tech as you can get i drive a 2005 toyota camry with a uh 6 disc cd changer and a tape deck so it's it's got some uh um outdated technology what it doesn't have is ain't kind got of bluetooth capability so i listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, and strangely enough I listen to music on CDs. Um so like the new Metallica album 72 Seasons I bought it on CD so that I can listen to it in my car. I have entire albums that I've never listened to because I don't I don't really listen to music on my phone in my car. It's a weird thing. But I'll listen to podcasts as much as the day is long. I don't make any sense. Um I I am j- like like that Green Day song I am a walking contradiction. Um, but anyway, so so I I put this this um people magazine thing on and just um you know turn turn the screen off so I'm not like watching it while I'm while I'm driving and being massively unsafe. Um and I I just listened to it like like I would a podcast on my way home and it was um yeah, it was I it, it was a it was a rough listen. And but it was one of those things where it was like a rough listen, but also, I I I don't know if an inspiring is the right word. In fact, even now I, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I I don't I don't know how I feel about it. Um. So I I have um. I have some articles here um that I go that I'm going to read to you um uh, both from People Magazine and it's kind of interesting. Because um, actually, you know, and one of the things I'm I'm seeing within um, all of this, whether it's the the video or the online articles, and I'm going to link all this in in the show notes uh, in case you want to check it out. Um, I think I want to buy the physical magazine also because I I wonder how much more extensively uh, this this coverage is or if it's just a a transcription of. Um, of the video. I mean, cause I mean, again, the video is 35 minutes. So, uh, but anyway, headline Kevin Smith reveals he got a uh, mental health treatment after his complete break from reality. Um, I was in a weird dark place. The clerk's director tells people of his mental health struggles. One morning last January film director, Kevin Smith awoke in terror convinced he was losing his mind. The next day, Smith, 52, checked into Arizona's Sierra Tucson treatment center where he spent the next month in intensive therapy, learning how several childhood traumas had led him to create and hide behind a quote unquote larger than life public persona that he calls quote unquote the other guy that eventually usurped his core sense of self. And I'm already learning something by reading this article to you because. Watching the video, it was, it's, it was very unclear to me. It was a mystery of sorts when this all happened. And finding out that it, it, that it happened um, um, January to February. Um, or maybe, well, it says last January. So does that mean January of 22? Before the convenience store? I don't know. Um, It was scary, Smith says, speaking about the incident that he describes as a, quote unquote, complete break from reality uh, publicly for the first time in this week's People magazine. Quote, at that moment, I wouldn't have been adverse to not being around any longer. I called a friend and said, I'm in a weird, dark place. I need to go somewhere and get help. Over four decades have passed since the events, the sexual abuse, and the shaming over his weight left a psychological wound in Smith that he spent his life trying to compensate. And that's that's kind of how the video begins. He talks about, um, uh, well, it's here in the article, dummy. He was just six years old when an older boy he didn't know forced him to perform sexual acts with a young neighborhood girl. Smith always told himself that they were just playing doctor in an alleyway. But when he recounted the incident to his therapist last January, she suddenly framed the incident in a different light. Quote, when a third party is instructing you to do something against your core values like that, the therapist told Smith that's sexual abuse end quote. At age of nine, Smith was traumatized again when his fourth grade teacher made fun of the size of his gut in front of the class. Uh, Smith recalled, quote, I felt disgusting, like I didn't matter. That's when the other guy started to appear. I decided to be entertaining and make people love me before they noticed I was fat. Smith was 24 when his 1994 indie film Clerks suddenly made him famous. Quote, I was already a self-loathing mess. The other guy became my favorite piece of clothing to wear. I just let him take over, says Smith, who began immersing himself in his work, churning out movies, comic books, TV shows, and podcasts, fearful of what might happen to his career if he ever took a break. By the time he found his way to the treatment center, he was desperate to make a change. But spending hours a day in private and... Uh, Group therapy sessions, often surrounded by military veterans struggling with PTSD, wasn't easy, Um, at least not at first. Quote, in the beginning, it was tough to share when somebody's talking about watching their friend get killed. And I'm like, well, my fourth grade teacher told me I was fat. Recall Smith. Quote, but I learned that there's no diff differentiation. Differentiation, yeah, that, that's a word, uh, between levels of trauma to the human nervous system. Internally, trauma is trauma. He also learned about the healing power of self-acceptance, a life-altering concept for Smith, who always judged his self-worth by his ability to entertain others. Equally helpful were mind- mindfulness exercises he was taught, like constant concentrating on his breath that he now uses to stay focused in the present instead of letting his mind drift to the past or the future. Quote, this was eye-opening to me, admits Smith, because I'd always spent the majority of my time depressed about the past or anxious over the future, end quote. The days ahead, Smith knows, will be filled with plenty of emotional ups and downs, as he learns how to cultivate a better understanding of what he calls his quote-unquote authentic self, while also spreading the message to his fans about the importance of taking care of your mind. He stops smoking pot, cut back on the amount of time he spends on social media, and is determined to begin slowing down his frenzied work schedule. Quote, I'm really interested in seeing if I can finally be comfortable sitting by myself he says, and just be alone with my thoughts, end quote. But most importantly, Smith is determined to get the word out to others who could benefit from hearing his story and share the tools he's acquired to help find peace, despite the fact that he's frightened over how it will be received. Quote, I'm terrified to see everyone's reactions to all of this, says Smith who is also releasing an intimate first-person video account of his mental health journey that's already out. Um, uh, quote, but I know there's somebody out there who doesn't know this stuff like I didn't who could get something out of this. And um, a, a couple things to unpack there. Um, the the first part of the video is fascinating because he he tells these three stories. Uh, one about um, the 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 sexual abuse encounter, um, the other one about um, uh, standing uh, for the Pledge of Allegiance and his fourth grade teacher um, calling him fat. Look at the gut on you, Mr. Smith. And the third story being when he was um, uh, nine going to the water park and being um you know, uh, being fat shamed, uh, pregnant ladies can't go down the slide. Um, being a fan of Kevin Smith's work, I've heard all of those stories multiple times in multiple contexts. So hearing them in this context, um, kind of struck me like a lightning bolt in a way. And, The thing he continued to say in the video over and over, and it's the title of the video, Trauma is Trauma. And I I appreciated the bit in there where he talks about being in group therapy with uh, uh, military veterans and survivors of domestic abuse and feeling incredibly small. And feeling that his trauma was small, and basically the the doctors there had to break it down for him. It's like your your body, your brain, your nervous system doesn't know the difference between you know levels of trauma. It, it doesn't understand levels of trauma. Um, so even now, me saying this to you, it feels it's. It, I, I, I can relate a little bit and understand a little bit of where Kevin Smith is coming from saying, how is my trauma on the same level as someone who has survived scars of war or has survived scars of domestic abuse? It, it's not the same. But in this context, it, it your, your brain doesn't know the difference. Trauma is trauma. And those themes resonated with me because i do a lot of that a lot of that minimizing and later on when i i um well when when, when i get super personal and and uh do uh what what i guess i'm now calling deep therapy um you know, uh, using, using this microphone as, as the, as the, um, counselor, I couldn't get an appointment with, (laughs) um, um, that is, that is a lot of the challenge that I have that my struggles, my trauma is insignificant in a world full of strife and trauma, you know, and, one of the challenges that 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 i well one one of the truths that I refuse to accept in my my heart is that my trauma matters also and i've I've been struggling with mattering um you know in in life at work in a content creation space um not from a being relevant standpoint but like you know what right do i have to be here um again it's the existential dread cast so it's you know um deeply existential stuff now there's um um so i i i like what people magazine did because like so they they took this well <laughs> It's so funny. I I have to own a little bit of of hypocrisy here because like one of my pet peeves in entertainment journalism is when um, larger circumstances, whether it's a podcast or an interviews, more than anything, are parsed out into smaller articles like, you know, Kevin Smith said this and it's an article. Kevin Smith said that. Um, and you get like three of those. Turns out it was all from the same one podcast where it's like, oh, hey, you know, Michael Keaton should play Batman Beyond, you know, that that, that kind of stuff um, or old Bruce Wayne and Batman Beyond. I, I guess I should get that um, correct. Anyway, um, on People Magazine's website, there's what three, four different articles that, that are kind of covering the the same material. Um, but I, I wanted to go back to this this um other notion. Uh the headline on the this one is uh why Kevin Smith created a public persona to cope with childhood trauma. Colon, I called him the other guy. Um uh director Kevin Smith is opening up about the coping mechanism he developed to deal with several childhood traumas and how it eventually threatened to consume his life. Quote, I called him the other guy. Uh, Smith tells people in a story in this week's magazine detailing the psychological crisis that forced him to seek help at Arizona's Sierra Tuscan Treatment Center for a month of intensive therapy. And and I um and I wanted to come back and, and single that out. Because. During my Clerks 3 episode I shared with you some bootleg audio that I had recorded during the live Q&A with with Kevin Smith and you know the the audio is um is atrocious um but I I remembered several of the things that that he said I I forget which audio clips I I played for you but um, he talked about quote unquote the other guy quite a lot, and he referred to him enough as if as if he was a separate person and you know and and there were there were bits in there where he got very philosophical and existential kind of about the person that he is now versus the person he was then. And that Clerks 3 is really, um, paying back young Kevin Smith for, um, letting Dante live. Because originally the ending of Clerks, um, was that, that Dante was, was shot and killed, uh, after, after, um, after hours, after, after Randall leaves and, and he goes to close the store and, um, He always liked that ending, prefer that ending, but um, the overwhelming feedback was that he had to change the ending. So and he um, there there's a sequence in Clerks three where, you know, they they do a send up on that, which in a sense, knowing the uh, total spoilers for for Clerks three, by the way. I I think I think if 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 you're if you're with me this far, you've seen Clerks three. So but I'll I'll just give you a quick uh, five, four, three, two, one uh, on the on the spoiler alert there. um, Just to just to keep my conscience clean there, because I mean, I mean, that movie came out last year and I'm still nervous about uh, talking about the the um, the ending there. But, you know, that 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 scene ends up being a red herring for the ultimate ending where Dante does die uh, from a, from a massive heart attack. And uh, Kevin talks a lot about like, he always wanted to kill Dante and he made this deal with himself and says, you know what? Um, I, I I will get you back. And basically this is old Kevin Smith paying back young Kevin Smith for for uh, letting Dante live. Um, um, another thing, um, this is kind of unrelated, but just kind of reminded of. Um, I don't remember if I talked about this in the Clerks Three episode, but like the the reason why Dante dies of the heart attack is because that that is a movie of two heart attacks. It's um, Randall has Kevin Smith's heart attack. You know, you got that widow maker, but walks right through it. The other heart attack, Dante's heart attack, is the heart attack that killed his own father. So um having those contrasts so vivid in Kevin Smith's mind, he um that's that's the way he wanted to tell that story. And it's I, I still don't know how I feel about that end. It, it feels incredibly nihilistic, but in a weird way for a Gen X signature movie that, that that Clerks was, it feels very Generation X. You know, And and one of the things about even my... Uh, cusper micro generation, uh, us, uh, um, Zennials or Nintendo generation, or whatever you wanna wanna call us, um, or even like the larger Generation X um, age group, um, there there is a degree of nihilism there. Um, we, we're the generation that that popularized grunge, you know, and um, grunge not the most happy music around there 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 is a angst um to our age group that that is that is different than um emo kids um and I, I i don't know how to specify that maybe maybe i i need to think on that more before I stick my neck out too far but but um i don't know i don't know i but but i do think that um existential dread is a generational hazard um uh with us so um so like i said with with with, with this kevin smith thing i i found myself confronted with my own um mental health difficulties my own mental health challenges my my own struggles i i don't feel the same type of identity crisis dread that kevin smith did like he talks about, um, when he's talking about, quote, unquote, the other guy, he mentions what, he, what, what the, the, the inciting incident for him checking into the clinic um, was that he looked in the mirror and only saw the other guy. He didn't see Kevin Smith anymore. He only saw that Kevin Smith, the other guy. And there have been times in my life that I have had those kinds of identity struggles. Um, you know, who I am. Why am I here? That, um, th- those kinds of existential questions. Um, I think, though, in my current life, here now today... I I've kind of reconciled in a way my my disparate uh personalities. I think my job really helps uh with that. Um for good or bad um audio editing and talking into a microphone and broadcasting is part of my hobbies and part of my work. And so there's, there's certain degree of continuities, which, which actually could kind of be part of the problem. Um, I don't know if any of that's true, what I just said, because I, I'm, I'm pondering how I am at home, how I am at work, how I am on podcasts. And those are kind of three different guys. Um, they're all through the same prism, which is, I think what I, what I was meaning kind of like the, the more reconciled, uh, Mike Seibert, like they're all kind of like aspects of the same guy, but they're not different. And there was a time in my life when they were the guy I was at home was, was violently different than, than the guy I was at work and vice versa and um i wasn't doing podcasts at that point so um uh, hadn't been quite invented yet but but I, I i think throughout my life identity has been a huge uh struggle with me and and maybe as a, as i talk through some of this stuff i i might um touch back on that um later but for me I think I think what my biggest problem is. And and at this point we're we're moving into the the what I am calling the 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 deep therapy uh portion of the of the episode of the podcast where um where I'm just uh, again I'm I'm going to talk about myself. I'm going to talk about myself in a way that I never have before publicly. Um, And I hope on the other side, uh, we can still be friends. If not, I understand. Um, You're going to learn um, that I am... Selfish, that I am entitled. That I'm kind of bratty. Um. I I identify as a good person. Um, but I don't know if I'm that good a person, and because, like, I I have a I have a mean streak. I have a caustic streak. Um, I, I think on the whole, I am a, a, a good man, but I'm certainly not great. And I, and I, and I know that, but my biggest struggles, my biggest challenges come from my perception of, who I am, I guess. Um, to to put it more plainly, and, and the thing that I would um, tell a counselor if I was talking to them instead of talking to you is that I wish I could love myself the way that my friends and family do because I don't. I don't like myself very much. Now, I, I, again, as I said, I think I'm a good person. I think I am competent. I think I am skilled. I think I am good at things. And I appreciate and understand that people like me and I accept that people like me. Um, I think I just repeated that. I was trying to sound profound, um, but I don't like me the way that you like me. And if I could crack that nut, then then I would be um, I'd be doing okay. Um, let me take a, a handful of steps back. Because I, I think what I need to do is kind of talk about my feelings about kind of like mental health and mental health counseling and um, getting help. um, Because I, I think it's important and I, I think I've done myself a few disservices and it's really coming back on me. Um, a number of years ago... I don't remember exactly what year I started counseling. Uh, maybe two thousand eight, maybe two thousand nine, maybe as late as twenty ten. I, I I honestly do not remember, but I was having fits of depression and mood swings and outbursts of anger and I got to a point where and, and I feel this way about myself often that there's something wrong with me and it's like I feel it in my bones something is wrong with me what is wrong with me and at that time I had you know and and I'm always coming up with theories and excuses Oh, it's, you know, a chemical imbalance or, oh, it's, you know, it's stress or, you know, oh, I just, you know, um you know, unreconciled childhood trauma or, or something. It, it could be any, 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 any number of things, but what we thought uh, was wise, my, my wife and I was that I just, you know, go to the doctors and get a physical you know just 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 you know see what what's what's going on you know see see if there is something wrong with me um you know something that might be causing like a chemical imbalance or or something i don't know but when you go to the doctor's office to get a physical they have like a mental health checklist thing and it's like you know have you ever thought about this have have you ever done this you know do you feel this um I wish I had one of those questionnaires in front of me to to more um, uh, clearly illustrate what some of the questions were. But basically, like it's a it's a mental health wellness checklist. And I was feeling especially not great that day. um, Attitude wise, feeling wise. Um, And so I answered everything in like the most profound uh, negative possible. And so the doctor, uh, comes in and, and, you know, he he does a physical and he's like, but your, your answers on, on this questionnaire have, have me deeply concerned. Are, are, you know, are, are you, are you currently seeking counseling? What, uh, you know, kind of what, what the deal is. And I was desperate. I was just like, yeah, I, I need a referral. Um, you know, hook me up and I, I don't know where else it will be appropriate for me to say this in context, but um, one of the things that I am discovering as I have been reflecting in anticipation of doing this podcast is I am willing to put in the work. Once I'm there, let me explain a little bit what that what that means so i i am by nature a hard worker you know it's like if, if there's um if, if there is there's anything to be done um if i if i'm there i'm doing it what is hard for me is to put myself in that that situation to begin with to actively pursue a situation where I'd be working hard. Uh, You know, let's let's, um, give you a domestic example. Um, I don't particularly um, enjoy doing yard work until I'm out there doing it. So it's like, hey, man, do you want to mow the lawn? Well, no, I really don't. But once I get out there, I get my earbuds in and I'm just, I, I love it you know and then then i walk around on the on the grass barefoot afterwards and and feel feel accomplished um but i but i need to be doing it and and i take a a similar attitude towards my mental health and quite frankly i want someone to do the work for me or I'm willing to do the work while I'm there. I, I've i been having, amongst my other mental health challenges, I have been having some struggles at home. For the sake of this conversation, I am not touching any of that. But there there has been enough to where it's like, something needs to give. And it's like, okay, well, I want to do counseling. Actually, so this is the only extent that I'm that I'm going to get into this because I I've had conversations with my wife where I'm like, okay, well, I know I need counseling, but I think we need counseling as well. So I'm putting the 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 proposal of couples counseling out on out on the table and it's always been yeah man i'm down to clown it's it's never been i don't want to do it you know th- that that kind of thing um but because i drag my feet and i am slow to action and trying to deal with insurance and stuff, I drag my feet and I don't find anything. And I get frustrated by what I can't find. And I get discouraged. And I get irritable. And I get angry. And I cause more problems. The times that I've picked up and put down trying to find a counselor is maddening. And all of it is under the guise of "I don't have time." Well, I can't deal with this right now. I need to go to work. Um, or I I can't deal with this because I like you know, because like the the way my work is, I I work in the the middle of the afternoon, so it it is by nature always kind of weird and awkward. Um, but. Yeah, I it's just, I I just I'll I'll come back to it later, but basically like I I want somebody to do it for me. You know, I I I have a hard time just cracking the phone book and say, "Oh, be Boop, okay, I need I need mental health." So, I went to go get a physical to get a referral and I got one and I went to go see a um counselor who I saw for several years. Up to and including, actually I, I I was with this guy through the most transitionatory, transitionatory, transitional um, time in my life. Um, following me through the end of my old job, my my inventory job, what I identified as my career. Through 2012, when um, within a few months of each other, uh, my sister-in-law and my father-in-law both uh, pass away suddenly, um, turned our lives upside down, changed our lives, completely changed our outlook. Um, Prior to her sister pass away, my, my wife quit her job so that she could be more available. And then that carried over to her being um, uh, available uh, for my mother-in-law when when um, when her dad was sick. And then after, after he passed, she was still, um, my wife was available to help out there. And this threw me, I, I've talked about this before, so I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to tell a complete story. So so, my apologies if if you haven't heard this, um, or if you feel like I, I'm I'm shorting you on it. But basically, like, um, 2012 upended my life to where it completely changed the trajectory of where I was going. I quit my job of 14 years, what I thought was my career, a career that was killing me. Um, a job that I had grown to hate around people I had grown to hate, I was incredibly unhappy, and I was bringing that that resentment home with me. I quit my job, floundered for a year, um, not knowing what to do with myself, almost out of spite. Um, almost out of anger, Um, found myself on a trajectory to go back to school, went to community college, uh, pursued an IT degree, finished that coursework. But just as I had one foot out the door, I discovered the community college has a radio station. I decide to take radio classes that summer, get bit by the bug. Um, Seven years later, I am talking to you now inside a uh the control room of a heritage radio station. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um if if you know what my other what my job is then you know I'm not going to talk about it here but it's it's a heritage radio station in the number 11 market in the in the country here in Seattle. So um I, I'm not at home. I am in a professional studio. Um, I, I have the privilege of of doing that, and um, I've done okay for myself. Um, one of the things that we'll we'll talk about a little later is the correlation between gratitude and happiness. And you know, it's like, do, does happiness cause gratitude, or does gratitude cause happiness? I can't tell you because I don't have either. So uh, we'll we'll explore that in a little bit. But I I I I want to uh, go back to the, this perspective of counseling. So I was with a mental health counselor during the most tumultu- tumultuous time in my life that that time of great transition and by uh 2015 by 2015 i am just about um or maybe i was with him through through 16 i i i don't remember but basically like what 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 i what i'm pussyfooting around and and not um getting to is there was a time where this guy my counselor had seen me be at one place and arrive at another that you know I I I was I don't want to say a different person but I I felt different I felt like I was a different person and basically um in a in a sense um told me one day that he didn't think I needed to come in anymore. And that that I was welcome to continue to come in, but that he didn't feel that I needed it. And at the time, I took that as empowering. I thought that i had graduated therapy that's really how i felt i i was having lunch with a friend of mine not too long ago and we we were talking about our respective mental health journeys um he, he's a couple years older than i am and he he was telling me about how he's he's got a great rapport with his um with his person that he talks to, and I had said something ab- about like oh well that that sounds that sounds delightful you know I really should get back into therapy and and at by the time of this lunch i i've you know it had been months, maybe even years of the dynamic i just talked to you about where i'm like well things are out of head domestically at home i have to make a change i have to do something um because i i'm just causing way too many problems and being the source of too many problems and just being so inconsolable that um you know i, I had just lost the ability to self soothe And to calm myself down. And um, anyway, I I was I was telling my friend this and he was taken aback. He's like, so let me get this straight. So so you were in therapy uh, or counseling. I don't know what the difference is between counseling and therapy. Um, Quite frankly, I don't know what the difference between mental health counseling and like psychology or psychiatry or. I I don't understand the vocabulary. I I don't know what the difference is. Um might speak to me not being able to articulate what I need. Um which is which is probably one of my problems as well. But um he he was taken aback. It's he's like that that doesn't sound right. And and it shattered the narrative that i had built myself up i i thought i had accomplished something i thought i had graduated from therapy and i i it's interesting that i had that attitude but also the perspective of i know i'm not right i i need a refresher it was kind of the way i thought you know need to need to polish things off you know that that that, that kind of thing um a a refresher in a sense that's the same word I've used it twice um so anyway that that that's kind of what my first foray into um uh mental health counseling was as an adult. you know, I think I had seen counselors when I was a kid, um on and off, never consistently. I don't know if it was situational um it wouldn't surprise me because i I was an angry kid um outbursts um rage deep rage um a, a lot of problems that that follow me today um a lot of problems that have i mean things that i thought i had put to bed years ago um are have been bubbling up like recently um startlingly recently um, in in terms of like like the just the deep inconsolable rage that I feel, um, it sucks. And so anyway that that that's kind of that that was kind of my first chapter, and then I've just been living life from there on on the trajectory that I'm on now. You know, it's like I I finish uh college again with my with my radio degree. I'm already working at a radio station at that point and over those next 7 years I just uh celebrated my my work anniversary on uh Wednesday 7 years um I I I I it's you know I I talked about the du- duality and identity there there's a part of me where I'm just like I can't believe it I can't believe it you know um they they continue to let me be on you know, working where I do, it's really something, and yet I take it for granted every day. It's 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 a baffling, um, uh, dichotomy. I've seen on a meme. Um, let me see if I can find this meme on my phone. Okay, here we go. It, it's um, it's not happy people who are thankful. It is thankful people who are happy. Uh, conversely, I I've heard uh, something very similar in like a uh, guided meditation uh, relaxation thing I, I I've listened to um, with regards to uh, gratitude. You know, it says, um, you know, it's a uh, in in. How's it go? It's um like in in daily life, we must see that it's not happiness that makes us grateful. Rather, it is it is gratitude that makes us happy. So. I don't know, I, I just I. I, I don't know what to do with that sentiment i don't specifically disagree with that sentiment but i find it difficult to apply in uh in, in my daily life it it's not that i'm not thankful it's not that i don't have gratitude though though i've been accused of that before um it's that i'm not happy for all of my accomplishments for all of my achievements for all the all the cool shit that i get to do deeper within like in my heart and my soul and my bones i'm not happy and i don't know why um it seems to me with with the things that that i've just shared with you well maybe i'm just not thankful enough maybe i'm not grateful enough and it's interesting, when I first started working at the the job I have now, I would often say, in fact even even as recently as when um our general manager retired i I wrote on his you know farewell poster, you know, uh, thanks for giving me a shot, always grateful for my opportunities and And I mean that stuff when when I say it but like on a deeper level is um perhaps where i run into challenges so um speaking to my my overall mental state um i have had anger problems for as as long as I can remember. Um, And there was a time when I was going through counseling before that I thought I had it licked. I don't. I, I don't know how long I've been spiraling and unraveling but i've noticed it more in the last couple months and what's happened over the last couple few months and it's interesting because i'm i'm finding myself talking about more work related stuff i i really thought i was going to talk about the the creative stuff i do and some of the challenges that i run into that uh, perhaps i'll get into that um but i I think one of the the more significant milestones um is we've moved and and it's kind of been a a period of change at, at my at my workplace. The Cliff's notes is this: um over a year ago, uh the company I worked for was purchased by another company. And for that year, there was really no changes. A um, couple tweaks here and there. Um, some folks were let go. Some new folks were were brought on. But nothing earth-shattering, ground-shaking. Um, and then shortly after, it was announced that... Uh, we were going to move that our new company was going to build new studios for us um and that process took took a while there were a couple different sites that didn't work out for for one reason or the other and this is kind of coming off of the heels of kind of like the back end of covid so you know people are starting to return to work and I, I'm discovering that the culture is starting to change, and um, not that this is a conversation about COVID, but um, my thing is is that I worked from work the entire time. Now, because of our business, there there's opportunities for like. Re- Remote broadcasting, like uh, show hosts and reporters and various other folks, um, you, know, you know, sales, production, um, as many people as were able to go home and work from home. That's what the company did. At no time ever did that include me because i i i wear a variety of hats where i work but at the end of the end of the day i'm a console jockey i uh i press buttons anything that you hear on a on the radio is the result of somebody pressing a series of buttons that's my job i press buttons i mean there's more to it than that, but, but for for this example, you know, being reductive about it, that's what it is I, I I press the buttons, so for everybody working at home, you still need a guy to press the buttons, and that guy is me. I at one point had a printed letter from the Department of Homeland Security that that says, you know, this person is an essential worker and like, you know, they must be allowed to pass. You know, I, I think you remember like early COVID when we thought like um I, I, I think this was maybe during the two weeks to flatten the curve. Um but it was it's I don't know. Did we think that that like martial law was going to be declared? All I know is that I kept two copies of that letter on me, one in the glove box of my car and then one inside my jacket pocket. And, um, and I was never stopped, but, um, but, but it's interesting kind of getting back to some of the stuff that Kevin Smith was saying with the perspective of trauma is trauma. I carry a lot of. Of resentment and uh, bad feelings, bad vi- grudge, if you will, for kind of the dynamics of the way my particular uh, company handled COVID. I don't, I don't know if things were were similar for you, uh, but it, it it created a class divide. Folks that worked from home and those that worked from work and the folks that worked from work had to, whether, whether anyone was aware of this or not, had to carry a little extra load for the folks that were working from home and it's little stuff, you know, uh, oh, the person that usually prints this out is now working from home. They can't print from home, that kind of thing. So suddenly, folks like me and the and the small crew of folks that were also working from work um had had to pick up the slack on it again ten- ten thousand little things no big things um aside from the big things of you know the the extra um anxiety that came with well hey man is is the remote equipment going to work today because there were days that it didn't um yeah it it created kind of like a weird lonely solitude but also a camaraderie because the the folks of us that were there um you know we stuck together and it cemented a lot of bonds in a lot of ways and i i just i don't know i i i remember the bizarre uh, solitude feeling, uh, loneliness. I think is the is the better word I'm looking for. A bizarre loneliness that that um, came out of COVID. Like I I remember driving through downtown Seattle and being the only person around. I remember driving on the freeway to and from work, being literally the only vehicle on the road for as far as I could see. Um, that didn't happen often, but it happened enough to where it sticks in my memory. I, I, I really felt like the Omega man where, you know, I'm just last man on earth. You know, I, I leave home, drive on a deserted, desolate highway, uh, driving through an abandoned downtown core to go to work by myself, uh, profoundly lonely and, and like, in a weird way, I, I think has messed with me in, in ways that, that I, j- I don't know how to reconcile, but what I do know is because of that, I, I have a, I've developed a, a uh, social anxiety that I, I never really had before. I don't like being around large gatherings of people anymore. I mean, like, I could go to sporting events or concerts or th- or things like that, that. That's different. But, like, when people started coming back to work, instead of being excited or happy, I was resentful. Because what would happen is folks would, like, gather around my desk and... There's like a half dozen people and voices are getting raised. And and it it was like there there were a few times I remember specifically I had to like leave and walk away because like I could feel my anxiety spiking Um, because I'm also kind of like a a social butterfly type of person. Like I want to be involved in every kind of conversation now granted in these situations especially when you're having it literally next to my desk so it, it and and I can't focus I can't concentrate um so just just I I think talking to you now that makes me kind of realize that maybe that was the beginning of some of my current problems um And then it just kind of hit an accelerated pace, uh, once we started moving, you know, so there, there's stress and anxiety with packing up, um, and it's a domino effect, you know, uh, long time management announces retirement, uh, new management comes in and, and I hate new people, um, I, I hate breaking in new people, um especially when they're not what I perceive to be incredibly bright i have impossibly high standards um and it's not it's not specifically arrogance on my part it is um expectations of what I think others should be able to do. It is a little different because it's like, well, Mike, is it, is it that you think that you're so much better than no, not specifically, but it's that I believe in you so hard that I expect more from you and expectations swing around into disappointment when they, when they aren't being met. So, um, that, that's one of my other, other, um, problems is that, that I just, I just have impossibly high standards for everybody, you know, for, uh, well, no, for people I respect. No, that that's not exactly right. Positions I respect. I don't know if it's that either. Um, Because that, that, that attitude has caused me no shortage of friction uh, recently, as well as just like in general Um, friends, uh, friends that are content creators. It's like, I'm getting mad at them for things that they aren't doing. Um, But none of that is my accountability. None of that is my responsibility, but yet I find myself being upset by what other people are doing. Whether it directly affects me or not, um, but anyway, so we we move, and unfortunately, the reality of our situation is, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to litigate this too, but basically, we we were kind of on a sinking ship. Equipment was breaking down, so we were um, excited for a new opportunity to to um you know have have new gear in a new place and uh you know everything will be better in the new building and we told ourselves that for months we get to the new building almost nothing works you know it's it's um it, it's real in fact we were we were making this joke on the air um it's like uh the beginning of star trek generations when they're on the enterprise b and nothing works and it's like, oh hey, we'll use the tractor beam. Yeah, a tractor beam isn't being installed until Tuesday. Okay, well let's uh, let's use some photon torpedoes. Yeah, no, we d- we don't have any photon torpedoes. They're coming on Tuesday. Okay, well let's get the medical staff ready. Ah, uh, you know what? Uh, and it's like, well, let me guess, Tuesday. So it 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 really kind of became that. Um, at my work. Then they started firing people. Um, and so I, I watched a coworker who I didn't know very well, but was like a 20 year vet get perp walked like right out in front of me. Like basically like the, the boss comes over with the, with the cardboard box in hand, talk to him, um, and, and just basically walk, walks this dude out and I'm just sitting there in my studio just watching it happen. Um, and it felt like every week for like the first month, it was always somebody. Um, and it, it was, it was just weird. And, you know, so there's influx of new people, um, people I don't know, uh, people I don't like and, um, and and it was just really getting to me. And, um, I'm really trying not to stick my neck out too far because it's, I I don't know who's listening, but, um, I found myself becoming increasingly impatient, increasingly quick to temper. And over these last several weeks, there has been significant escalation um to the point where now i think it's appropriate to openly yell at people like actually yell at them like um you know uh, a coworker uh brought a uh, brought salmon and they were going to like microwave fish and i'm just like are are you serious right now are you really going to like microwave fish here it's uh The, the, uh, our our old building was significantly larger. Um, we also shared facilities with two TV stations in addition to three radio stations. So, um, stepping down from that, we're, we're very cozy, very intimate. And, um, as such, the, the kitchen area is very small and it's right next to, everybody's working space. So so when this dude microwave salmon, it fills the entire workspace. Um and and it just sucks. But my point being is like I I am so much a loose cannon now. I yell at this guy. Actually yell. Um I had a fit where I threw a keyboard and a mouse across my desk and uh exclaiming I hate it here. Um I I don't know what's broken in my brain to where I feel it's appropriate to have these outbursts. And I just, I mean, I, 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 if I feel like I'm repeating myself at this point, but I just yell. I lose my temper and I yell. And yet I present as a professional person working in a, in a professional environment, and I'm having temper tantrums and fits and outbursts and just carrying myself as an angry person. And I had been talking to my wife, and I'm bringing all of this angst home with me, which is unpleasant for everyone on a number of different levels. Like I can't shake it. It's like I I come to work. Uh, I feel like every day is a new day. I come to work, and inevitably, almost instantly, something will set me off. Like literally set me off. Like like I'm a volatile toddler. Um, and and I carry that anger. And that frustration and that resentment with me, and I, I bring it home. And it, it, again, I just make things, um, not good. But but my wife gave me advice and says like, "Hey man, you really need to need to cool it down. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in real trouble." Um, and to the point of where it's like, "Oh well, do you want to get fired?" And I answer back with an indifferent shrug like that's how far this this unreconcilable rage has driven me to where I don't care i'm living my dream doing what i love at 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 basically my dream job i mean this is I don't understand. I, I don't understand the trajectory of where I've allowed my life to go. I was financially successful at my old job. Shoot, I was running an office with 100 people answering to me at one point. And I was making pretty good money. But I, w- I was being taken advantage of and and the environment had turned toxic and quite frankly i was working at my old job maybe 2 years too long because i could feel my sanity unraveling then and it took my sister-in-law my father-in-law dying to snap my attention to get me the perspective to be like, I am wasting my life at this, at this job that I hate and hates me right back. So part of the discussion that my wife and I had, you know, when we decided to change our lives is a, as silly and as quaint as, and as cliched as whatever, as as it might sound putting a premium on happiness oh you want to go to school cool um oh you want you want to continue at school to um to to do radio cool as long as you're happy okay well this this is putting me on a a potential career trajectory to where I am sure my friends in uh other other types of uh media will tell you um it's not the most lucrative um job. You know, it's like you, you don't get into uh you don't get into radio to make money. Um but then again, as 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 I've heard and have been told uh um a person works to live, not lives to work which was something I had lost track of in, in, my, in my previous job. Um, so really, like, when, when I got hired at my job, I was originally just working one day a week. And even then, we were fine with it because I loved it and I was happy. And now, where I'm at now, I'm, I'm at the top of my game. I mean there there are incremental steps that I could take, but I would have to walk over some friends to do so and I don't want that for my career and quite frankly that's that's the other thing too so I had spent another a number of years in management and 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 it was it was bleeding me dry, so it was liberating to come here and just be a cog in the wheel um and maybe because of my current position i feel a little less cog in the wheel but um i don't want to be a manager i i'm d- i'm done with that life i i like my freedom way too much i don't do anything with it but it's good to know that i have it um so i had been feeling this um Rising tide. And, um, and it came to a head. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I think I was, I, I was planning to maybe record this a couple days ago. Um, and it, and it's just kind of interesting how, um, fate rarely calls on us at a moment of our choosing. Am I right? Um, I, really stepped in it um, the other day. I I was having a conversation at, at my desk with a few of my coworkers. There's this conversation about, like, where some files were. I intervened in this conversation because I knew where where copies of these particular files were. None of this actually matters. But basically, at, at the end of it, I'm growing increasingly frustrated because I'm like, "No, look, it's it's in that folder." Oh well, why would it be there? Well, it's that that's where I put it. Um, oh no, I I'm sorry, I, I'm telling it wrong. Um, I said it didn't matter, and now now I'm telling the story anyway. Ba- basically, the the guy I was talking to, um, was searching around different spots, like in, in their desktop and other folders. And I kept telling them where to look and they were ignoring me or not hearing me or both or neither. I don't know. But, um, I was getting increasingly impatient and I firmed my voice and then I, I told them again and then they looked and it's like, Oh, why, why was it there? And, but so frustrated was I that I got up out of my chair and um, not under my breath said, "Man you guys are dumb," and stormed off and uh, and went over to the the studio to to do some stuff a couple minutes pass my boss comes in. and i I have the kind of relationship with my boss that it's I feel like I can be more flippant than than is is appropriate Let me put it that way i I think sometimes the the lines between uh friendship and management um get get very very blurry but my boss walks in and i'm just thinking it's like you know i i knew it immediately like as soon as i said it i already felt bad i already felt ashamed and he walks in and i was like i go well hey man i uh i um i i owe you an apology you know i really don't think that and he interrupts me and in the firmest tone he has ever taken with me in 7 years people are not dumb you cannot call people dumb stop me in my tracks And all I could muster is I hear you, you know, because I I I didn't want to acknowledge something that that was like argumentative or defensive, but I, I felt the need to communicate immediately that I understood because I did because I already knew. You know when you do something wrong and you know you you did it wrong, um that was the way I felt and I felt it immediately. I I I I felt shame. And I hung around in my studio by myself for over an hour sulking. Not going back to my desk, not being around my coworkers and just just sulking it off. I felt like garbage and I should have because i i i pushed it too far it's one of those things where it's like oh it's not fun anymore you know i mean it's one thing to call the 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 big boss a dipshit or something like that you know and, and that's all fine and good or or to you know deal in like petty office rivalry or something like that or to cartoonishly exclaim oh i hate it here that kind of thing this was different um because I I had turned on my friends, and so 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 this stuff has been happening for like a while, and even even before that, even before we moved, I think we moved in March, something like that. So I, I it's been going on for longer than that because I I have been I have been increasingly irritable i lash out at everybody the people i love the people i hate it, it doesn't make any difference to me it doesn't matter because like it it's become about my feelings and how i express myself which is incredibly selfish um I I've even been shitty on podcasts. On on shows that my friends have invited me to be on, I get on there with my attitude and am just shitty. Being being a little fucking asshole. Just just being a goddamn twerp. And I could say that now. But I also have like this trapdoor in my mind. I'm like, well, but but I felt like I was being antagonized. You know, that that kind of thing. And I'm sure there there's part of that, but it underscores that I don't have any patience. I I am impatient and quick to temper. And that's part of the stuff I'm kind of I kind of feel broken about. Um, in one of the James Bond movies, I I don't remember which one. Whether uh, Judy Dench says it, um, so I don't remember if it was a Pierce Brosnan or a or a Daniel Craig. But anyway, she she says like, when you can't tell your friends from your enemies, it's time to go. And that quote. Sticks with me for all the wrong reasons. There are times that I. I wonder if I'm even supposed to be here today. Because I feel like. I have such a disruptive. Presence. And am contributing to a culture of toxicity, you know, have, have I outlived my usefulness and with the amount of staff turnover, I feel rather than indispensable, I feel completely replaceable. Now, how that reconciles with my attitude of being so self-destructive that i don't care if i get fired or not i don't know how to reconcile that it should be that um you know i should be busting my ass to make myself as indispensable, uncopyable and unfirable as possible instead i coast along and whether i'm saying this or thinking this or feeling this daring them to and that's not healthy that's that's i mean again it's self-destructive and and, and that's the way i've been feeling i i i get to a certain point when i'm angry where it's I I just don't care anymore. Like I I've I've had arguments with folks and fights with folks where it's like, well, you're not helping the situation. And I'm like, I'm way beyond wanting to help. Now I just want to burn it down. Um, I, I, I have a lot of pent up anger and resentment. That I I can't I can't figure out what to do with it. And and it's interesting because it's like, I mean, I, I quote this meme all the time too. Um, it's uh it's basically like um well, what do you do for fun? Oh, I, I concentrate on all my arts and stuff. And it's like, "Well, hey, that's great, but what do you do to relax? and and, and the and the joke of it is that you know the, the punchline of of the meme, the fourth panel, is, "I um don't." And that's that's how I live my life. I don't relax. I, I don't unwind. You know, and it's like, and, and again, that, that, that's got to sound absurd, right? Because it's like, I have all these hobbies, you know, I, 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 you know, I buy toys and I do podcasts and, um, you know, you've got podcasts, you've got, you've got hobbies too. How relaxing is that? You know? And, and I just, I, I haven't been able to figure it out, um, I I'm not particularly outdoorsy. I I'm not particularly sporty. Um, I I I don't know. I I I don't know how to relax. I I don't know how to unwind. I know how to do things for fun. Um, but but that's that's different. So I I have this constant state of being coiled up constantly. And what's happening now is like I think I've been running on that for so long that that it just it it's snapping. Like like a rubber band when when we, you you wrap it around too many times, you wrap it, wrap it, wrap it, wrap it, wrap it, bang. And just you know, it it can't take any more. It can't take any more tension and it, it just pops. It snaps. And that's kind of where I'm at. And What's doubly frustrating for me is I can see it. I know it i I have a a pretty good amount of self-awareness so as as i'm I'm being self-destructive, I can see it I, I can almost like step out of myself and commentate on it and observe it and do like it's like, oh man, he's he's, he's having a fit again." and and it's petty and it's selfish and it's dumb and i i know that but um i i can't figure out what's wrong with me and i can't figure out what to do about it so my mind has whirled so many times again this 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 kind of tangentially comes back to kevin smith so for the last 15 years um Kevin Smith has been a a stoner, you know, he, he, uh, um, wakes and bakes and is basically stoned from, from the moment he gets up to the time that, that he goes to bed. And it's interesting how, uh, the, the, I've seen like this weird object lesson unfolding in front of me. Um I I don't smoke. I, I don't I don't partake. And neither did Kevin Smith until he was like 35 years old. Does a movie with Seth Rogen. Next thing you know, he's a stoner for life. Or so we thought. And I remember. When that kind of creative shift happened. And he would talk about how he would be um both relaxed and creative. And he would talk about focus and like hyper focus. And you know as as looking up to to Kevin Smith and seeing him as kind of an aspirational figure i was like yeah 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 right up my alley i um i i i i smoked with my friends um like when i was in high school for for like a hot minute decided somewhere along the way it wasn't for me i, I don't i don't necessarily care for the sensation of like like a marijuana high, and I sound so prudish and so uncool, um, but I, I I don't smoke weed. I'm not I'm not interested in it. I drink a lot. Um, sometimes I make jokes about it, um, but um, alcohol alcoholism uh, runs deep in my family. I know I'm an alcoholic um and I and I wonder at this point in my life if I'm a functioning alcoholic. I I don't know. I just know that um sometimes when I go to the doctors and they ask about your drinking, I have to do some gymnastics to put a reasonable answer. Um but it is interesting and I, I I don't want to have a a conversation about alcoholism right now, uh, because I I think that's that's too large of a topic. But even though I identify as an alcoholic, I do still feel like there there, I I think I don't know what it's like. Lowercase alcoholic and uppercase alcoholic. I'm a lowercase. Um, my uh um folks in my family uh, would be more uppercase because i there there are certain behaviors that that i see that i don't exhibit on the other hand there are a lot that i do now that i am saying this out loud um but so so alcohol became my 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 chosen vice but there there was always kind of like the, I don't know, something there where where I was I was fascinated and intrigued by Kevin Smith's uh, marijuana use. And so, as in various times when I've been struggling with my mental health, like I I should also say I don't drink to do anything for my mental health. Um, I, I drink in an effort to loosen up. And there's an early part of it that it does. Lowers my inhibitions. I loosen up a little bit. But then it goes the other direction. I can be a profoundly mean drunk. And I get sensitive. I get defensive. And I get angry. Um, a few of my friends have seen that. Not many, though. Uh, my wife's certainly seen it. But um i don't i i don't know the the Kevin Smith thing, so basically like i i have thought about as as i i as I've tried to figure out my mental health problem over over the last several years in the interceding years um since I've not been doing counseling which no matter how you slice it is, is, I don't know, let's, let's just use the same seven years that I, that I'm using for everything else. You know, so like, there's been a few times in my life where my life has changed and we'll we'll just, let's just use 2016. Uh, That, that, that seems like a pretty good round number because that's, that's convergence of like, you know, college and radio and work and uh, podcasting and I don't think I've even talked about Mike Seibert Radio at all uh, in this conversation, um, whatever. But um, I've considered a medication because, again, there, there's a part of it that I um, think there's like a chemical imbalance thing. But I remember this when when I was back talking to my old counselor back in the day. And like I'm telling him I'm like, you know, I just I just feel like um you know, I I I just feel like I'm like, you know, angry all the time and all this other stuff. I'm like, um do I need medication? And based upon him talking to me for like after like a couple sessions, he's like, "No, I think you just need to talk it out." I I don't I don't I don't know if medication will help you. And that's one of those things it that that's both encouraging and discouraging, very similar to what I was telling you earlier when I quote unquote graduated from therapy. Um I was the only person that said that, I was probably the only person that thought that. But um so so Medication is something that's been on my mind. I've, you know, I, I had uh, younger folks in my family that that like were on Ritalin and Prozac and all that, you know, because it was I mean, it was the 90s. It, it was uh, it was the style at the time. Um, But I, I've never been on any kind of medication, you know, so like, you know, antidepressants or or a- anything, anything. Um, I haven't been diagnosed with anything, you know, cause I, I like, I, I don't, I don't know how to, to do that. I, I just know that there's, there's something wrong with me and I'm not happy. Um, so I, 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 you know, I, I just, I just think about these things, you know, as I, as I'm just struggling and floundering and progressively getting worse, uh, over the years and i i remember i was having a conversation uh with my wife um i don't remember if it was last year it was probably a couple years ago oh we we had um speaking of domestic stuff that that i'm not going to get into tons of challenges when we moved um not when work moved but when when we we bought our new house that we live in now um, tons of expectations on my part. Like, part of the reason why I wanted to move is because I wanted a studio space that I was actually going to like build out and stuff. And um, the the more things were coming into place, the more it became obvious that that um, wasn't going to happen the way the way that I wanted it to. Um and I became very petulant. And, and that's a word I should have used um like an hour or so ago uh when describing myself as uh as petulant. That's the um I I I get pretty shitty sometimes. And um I I don't know. So like so we um we were actually talking about, uh, because now here, here in uh, Washington, uh, cannabis is legal. You know, you could go to a dispensary and just buy stuff and you don't necessarily need to smoke it. You know, there's gummies, there's edibles, there's all kinds of shit. I have not messed around with any of that stuff. And quite frankly, I'm kind of terrified too. call it reefer madness, call it whatever, but I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I, I'm as intrigued as I am terrified. Um, I don't know. Cause like, I feel like I'm out of options. I have felt like I've been out of options at times and it's like, you know and i hear like you know you get like different kinds that can like you know this one relaxes you this one helps you focus and and those logistics are, are all very complicated as well and again i'm coming across as incredibly square um i get it but um and i think because i was so overwhelmed never did never pursued that i i talk about a lot but i think i want somebody to do it for me um or more accurately to give me guidance i i'm a i'm a rule follower i'm an order follower i i can work independently but for a greater goal um i'm a hard worker once i'm there i love to mow the lawn once i'm there or like if it's if it's like we're volunteering for something um i'm i'm all in because that's that's the path i'm set on that's all i know how to do is to follow a path and i need to know where i'm going and when i don't know where i'm going is where where i run into significant problems I, I'm, I'm not so rigid that I need everything planned out, but like one of, one of my little sayings, you know, along with like, you know, make good choices and and whatever, um, is a little bit of planning goes a long way. And, um, I think I put the unfair burden on other people to make those plans. It's like, give me a path and I'll walk it. I can't come up with the path on my own. Um, I, I've, for all of my successes and accomplishments, I, I basically am a person that life kind of happens to there there have been a couple pivotable pivotable cheese um a, a couple pivotable i said it again and i just pounded the counter god damn it i didn't even talk about counter pounding uh, i'll come back to that um th- there's been a few pivotable <laughs> i I want to edit this out but i kind of don't want to because that's uh pivotal pivotal jesus anyway there the, there's been key moments in my life where i have taken a very active role um when i i uh proposed marriage uh earlier than that when i had decided that i wanted to be a crew manager at the at the inventory job I was doing, um, that I wanted to uh, see where this radio stuff might might go. Um, I'm sure there are others, but um, more often than not, it's just like, okay, well, here's the path, now I will follow it. It's like, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm in college now. So th- to, to get this degree, these are the classes I need to take. Okay, cool. Follow the path. You know, that kind of thing. And it was even the same thing in radio. And I remember when I started working at my current job, it's like, well, I still have like, uh, two semesters left or, uh, two quarters left in my, in my degree. I'd really like to finish my degree. And, uh, my, my bosses, uh, were, were all cool with that. And, you know, I felt great that I accomplished it rather than just stopping. Um, did it make any difference in the long run? No, I, I don't know. Um, but I, 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 I follow the path. I mean, that's, I mean, again, life happens to me. I don't, I don't, um. I don't often feel like I'm in command of my own destiny because I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. I mean, I, I, I know what I would want, like short terms, like, OK, well, I want to do I want to record a, a new episode of two Mike's Too furious. What do I need to do to accomplish that? OK, well, I need to see when Michael Anders is available. Um, I live my life a day at a time with some far out planning as well. Maybe some broad strokes. Like I can tell you when side fest is, I can tell you when our next staff meeting is regarding side fest. Um, but what I, what do I want out of life? Like capital L life, big existential questions. I don't know. Um, to be happy but i'm not and is it because i'm not thankful enough is it because i'm not grateful enough i don't know and i just took myself in a goddamn circle there um drugs weed focus right um so anyway, so so there th- th- there was a time where I thought medication would would be an answer. Still haven't uh, pursued that, and and it's interesting too, because I I amongst my other many foibles is I am a judgmental prick. I have a friend of mine who has been very um, uh, vocal. About their mental health journey, and it's been uh talks talks about it on a podcast and has been inspirational um to a lot of folks myself included because i i I have encouraged that at every turn it's like keep talking about that because we need to normalize having these conversations and and it's like you know talk about it, work at it all of that you know like coaching 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 um recently learned that, um, that he's, uh, um, found a medication he likes and, and all the congratulations from folks in our community. Oh, good for you. Blah, blah, blah. And I can't help but feel a little bit of contempt. Is it contempt from jealousy? I don't know. Um, um, I don't even know exactly what the medication does, um, but I don't know. It, it just—I um, mean, who—who who am I to judge what someone is doing on their mental health journey? Their journey isn't my journey, and you know what, my journey um, isn't going great. Um, so. I I reached a point where it's like, okay, goddammit, I I am going to um I'm gonna really spend some time and and figure this out. You know, figure out how to uh get an appointment. I spent some time trying to go through my insurance and it was a frustrating process and I rage quit. And hid behind, I'm busy. I have to go to work. So I proceeded to not do it. And then I have a series of outbursts at work. I have a series of outbursts at home. And it scares me. And I'm just like, okay, well, I really, really need to do it now. But I, I start having a different perspective. I feel how self-destructive i'm acting i i can feel that i'm that that some kind of breaking point is coming to the point where i'm afraid that i'm going to hurt myself or hurt somebody else just being that inconsolable and, and I should also say because again I, I use I've been using some inflammatory language that 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 might be scary I have never raised a hand to anybody um well that's not true in the eighth grade I um I, I forget what happened but like it it was like lunchtime and I oh a kid pushed me that's what it was I I think I said something, he pushed me, and, um, I didn't even have the good sense to punch the kid, I slapped him, like, open hand slapped him across the face, and then, boom, he pops me upside the head, and then we fight, and, um, I lost, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I ended up getting, uh, suspended for, for a couple days for, for my troubles, but, um i I don't for as much anger as I carry within me it's it's never manifested outwardly towards another person, and it never would. I would rather hurt myself than hurt somebody else. My outbursts manifest in the form of um yelling. Um I I think I've broken myself of kicking things. Um I used to throw things a lot, then I kind of broke myself of that, and now it's kind of back. But my new thing that I think is if we're looking at like the the Masters of the Universe uh action figures, you know how that says like, yo, know, new for twenty-three. So new for twenty-three. <laughs> I like to beat on a countertop. I mean, and I, I will just beat on anything like an angry ape. And and it's, I don't know where I thought that that was okay. But something has triggered in my brain that tells, a uh, switch is flipped, that tells me that that's okay, acceptable behavior. Um, That's another talking to I got from my boss. He's like, you need to stop pounding on the countertops. And one, because in, in our, in our new building here at work, it's all just cheap plywood underneath. And I think he's afraid that if I beat on it hard enough and I have beat on it hard enough that, that I would, I would, I would seriously break it and potentially, and that that's the thing I give no consideration to whether I would hurt myself like i i was um I was reflecting on this, and it's like i i could i could i could break my wrists you know i i could i can you know come down on it just wrong and like i don't know shatter the bones in my forearm or like break the bones in my hands. I give no consideration to that when when I am just like full tilt um it's scary it's uh it's It's really scary. So scared that in my frustration on not being able to find a counselor through my insurance, that I thought perhaps I need more intense therapy. Maybe I need more drastic measures. And I start thinking about institutions, Um, thinking that because, like, I am so tightly wound and so inconsolable, what if I check myself into a facility and, like, do some, like, I don't know deep intense therapy. I don't know exactly what happens in in care facilities, but I I felt I was to that point. So, I spent a morning going through my insurance and um really the stuff that I was finding was for like, you know, a, addiction recovery. And um I, I don't remember what other uh situations but but they were situations that didn't match my own and um and, and I get incredibly discouraged again and I continue to spiral and then <laughs> then this Kevin Smith stuff happens and I even made a comment on this uh, during uh, the Saturday live stream. I I don't I don't know if you caught it or not, but I said something to the effect, you know, when I learned that that Kevin Smith had checked himself into a a um, treatment center, I told I I told you that he stole my idea. Because from my perspective, I had been talking about wanting to check myself in for inpatient care turns out this dude already did it and he did it either last year or earlier this month i i don't remember which but um it was uh um i i i don't know how that made me feel i mean it made me feel weird because it's like well no i had that idea and he did the thing that i was on, that i was only thinking about because what what i felt i needed was like total like isolation detox i'm on my phone too damn much and and it's to the point now where i i am so addicted to my phone and social media that i just doom scroll i'm not even looking at anything it used to be like, oh, well, you know, I need to post links for my podcast and I need to, you know, I'm not posting anything. Sure, I might do some retweets or sure, I might do some likes or whatever, but I'm not doing anything. And and, and that's causing all kinds of friction at home. And what I felt I needed was just like total isolation to just concentrate and do the work because when I'm on the path I will gladly do the work, but I can't figure out how to blaze that trail on my own. So that idea, kind of goes by the wayside, like everything else I've been talking about. But coming out of this Kevin Smith stuff, I was like, "Okay, fine." Well, I I can't I I'm not, I'm not I I I don't feel the compulsion to check in now but um but i got to do something and i i sit down with my insurance and i go through it and i finally land on something here's another thing i haven't talked about um so far not all, so i i i am I am very interested in resuming counseling and finding a new therapist and and putting in that work. But I've developed because of my um not so much my job because like I said I worked from work. So Zoom culture wasn't really like a thing for me. I mean, well, I mean it was because like you know we would have Zoom meetings then later Teams meetings. And so, um, which I always thought was delightful because, uh, nobody installed a microphone or camera at my desk. So everybody's on camera, you know, they're, they're fucking like, you know, work from home kind of like, you know, you know, decoration things. And I'm just sitting there at, at my desk with no camera, no microphone. It's stupid. Um, to the point where I would bring my laptop from home and connect from work. That's that's anyway. I um specifically because of my hobbies, because of my podcasts. Um I wanted in person um sessions. I wanted to see a therapist that I could go to and for me it's it's all about the ritual, I guess or, or the procedure or the process somewhere where I can go, somewhere that's for me to go. And that that gives me also a degree of privacy. I'm going to this place, you know to do this thing to work on myself. Couldn't find anybody offering in person care. Only telemedicine, which I think is the way that the that, that things are now. You you know, because of COVID, you could do like doctor's appointments over Zoom, which 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 is ridiculous. Um I just um and and that was an obstacle for me for a very long time. Was like, well, you know, I they're they're only offering, um, how do they call it? I, I I think it's telemedicine, but but anyway, so I I finally book, um, somebody for a virtual session or or again whatever whatever the hell it's called, and uh, you know I get over myself, I schedule it, and I feel pretty good because it's like. Well, it's not what I want, but it's better than nothing. And really, the, the, the whole reason why I didn't want to go that route is because that's the platform and tools that I use for fun. I do live streams for fun. I, I, you know, I, I do collaborative meetings for fun you know i we don't use the video but um when i do two mics too furious with michael andrews it's you know it's it's over a a video conferencing you know it's it's just streamyard the same thing i use for my live streams so it's like or if we're doing like team shows with you know with a bunch of people on a panel um i i hate using those tools for quote unquote real world stuff, so like even like you know um our financial advisor wanted to to have a meeting with us uh last year. we did it over zoom, and um this year i I told him i uh, you know um uh, it's like I, I'd really rather come into the office. Um, so we did. We did it we did an in person visit and, and it was I, I felt it was significantly better. And for me, uh it, it it also comes down to privacy. Like I'm not the only person that lives in my home and I don't want to have to worry about what I'm saying with With potentially somebody in the next room, especially if like you know because like some of my problems and challenges do are 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 related to my relationship so there there's stuff to talk about there, stuff I have to talk about there there's stuff that I have to deal with, but um. So I I just I just didn't want to do it from home. And, and again, it's like, you know, no. I I I use the camera. Uh, I use the computer for fun. I don't want to use it for therapy. No. Do I use it for work? No. That's, that's the space where I have fun. So, but anyway, it's it. it I eventually got over it. Set up an appointment. Um. Uh, there was a where I was discouraged because um, it didn't look like there were openings until uh, August. Too far out for my taste. I need help now. I need help now. And um, I spent the time, I put in the work, to go through enough different practitioners to find someone who had appointments sooner than later. Um, It was going to be next week, uh, the 18th and set the appointment and was proud. I I was like, you know what? Enough of my nonsense. I need to do something. I recognized that I had to do something. That doing nothing was, wasn't was going to cut it anymore. Again, email day before yesterday. The therapist you have scheduled with is no longer available. Your appointment has been canceled. It looks like you scheduled this appointment through your insurance. Maybe go through our web portal instead and then figure out how to use your insurance later. And I turned to my wife and I said, yeah, I'm not doing that. And she asked me, it's a valid question. She's like, why not? I go, I don't want to. I'm kind of done. I feel like the universe is telling me that <laughs> that I don't need therapy. Meanwhile, well, no, not that I don't need therapy. That's not what I mean. It's there's some kind of cosmic sign there. But meanwhile, my Facebook is rotten with um all kinds of different types of uh mental health and trauma related things. I don't know if it's because various devices are hearing me talking about it. Or if they saw the things I was searching because I was, you know, clicking on like the Kevin Smith stuff. But regardless, it's like um, I I, I happen to have. Uh, oh, oh, here we go. Better help. Better help make starting therapy easy. Get matched with the therapist online. Let's see if I can scroll and see if I find another one. Um. It's not going to happen now that I'm trying to demonstrate it in real time. But basically, like, th- there was a time the other day where every single like online therapy because that that seems to be the thing now on, on- online on demand computer therapy. Um, I tried one of these because like a a a podcast that I listen to has a promo code. I tried it. Didn't care for it. Um because for me talking and talking to the computer doesn't feel real. Not that like my shows don't feel real. It's I I don't know how to explain it. I I don't I don't know how to um elaborate on that. But like um I I did a couple sessions. I paid for a month, which was very expensive. And I and because of scheduling and quite frankly apathy on my part, I I I just I I ended up leaving money on the table. It was very expensive. And there's a part of me that that gets mad and says, "Well, why the fuck do I even have insurance? What's the point?" You know what's the point of having something if you can't use it? And conversely, when I was all mad about you know uh, 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 practitioners not having availability until August, and it's like, well, um, what do you you know what do you expect? I mean, demand is higher than ever because um, again, I I'm I'm not making political statements, but basically like. Um, COVID left three years worth of scars and trauma on us. And I think it's, it's a convergence of normalizing, talking about, about, about therapy and feelings and, and the, the, um, value of, uh, doing the work on your mental health. Um, it's It's probably like more demand than what's available, and I don't know i I, I don't know how to feel because like I, 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 don't, I don't I don't think I want to do that. So what do I do? You know it's like I mean, because i I know what I want, and what I want is to sit down with somebody one by one. Or one on one this what i'm doing now is the closest to that um i mean cuz i have my headphones on and i can hear myself and that's uh, i i i guess that's got to be good enough for now i don't know i i i'm sure after i publish this I, I will probably resume the, um, the hunt, um, and yeah, I, you know, I, and I'm sure now that this, this is podcast canon, I'll, I'll, uh, um, I'll, I'll have to keep you up to date, but, um, I don't know, I, I feel very discouraged, um. like like i i i've mentioned casually i have thought about hurting myself i don't think about it often and i don't think about it to the extent of actual like mechanics and logistics but i do have strong feelings about suicide. I'm very anti-suicide. I feel that it is the most selfish thing a person could ever do. And I would never put my loved ones in that position because of my selfish choice. I am I am a selfish prick. I I am an asshole, but that that's that's just not something i would i would i would do but it's hard um it, it it's hard to keep going it's hard to put one foot in front of the other it's hard to not just let go of the steering wheel and that i have thought of We have a um a interstate no no it's a highway we have a highway tunnel that that's basically like an express tunnel. it's a toll road and and it goes for i i don't know three miles five miles I don't know how long, but basically like i i when there's nobody in there, I can get in there and I can. I could push my Camry to triple digits, um, before I get to the end of the trouble, tunnel. So I'm, I'm coming out of the tunnel doing 100 miles an hour, and because of COVID, I I I drive far more recklessly uh, than I used to. Um, I, I drive 80 miles an hour for no damn reason. Just because, you know, nobody's there. And, um, there are times where it's just like, you know, what, what if I just let go? And, and then it it immediately scares me. And I just, I, I like shudder and I like grab the wheel and grip it as hard as I can. Um... Because I I don't I don't want to put anybody through that. I um when I was when I was a kid. Um, we had a roommate who who was a, a girlfriend of my mom's, and uh, one day. The friend didn't come home. My mom pulls me aside a couple of days later. Um tells me that uh the this friend had killed themselves. And um I don't remember how old I was. Maybe I was eight, maybe nine. It shook me and and i don't what what i don't remember is what my experience with actual death was at that point i think that was at an age before i had really experienced it i mean i had certainly experienced it in fiction um I mean that this this was, I I don't remember what year this was, but I do know it was after uh, watching the Transformers the movie. So even though this is a very special, very different episode, I snuck that in there. You get you get you you get your your Transformers the movie reference. Um, so, so I, I was familiar with the concept of death, you know, I'd, I'd seen Wrath of Khan and, you know, I, you know, I watch movies and TV and all that stuff. So, I mean, I, I, I understood, but I, I don't, now that I think about it, I, I, I don't know if I had experienced it before and it was weird. Messed me up. Um... Had a um, cousin, older cousin, like like the cool older cousin that it's like you know the kinds of older cousins that are like old enough to where your little kid brain um, thinks like cousins are are folks that are supposed to be your age, right? They're they're like you know brothers and sisters that aren't that kind of thing, um, but older cousins, well those those are just uncles, right? <laughs> Much. Much to my mom's chagrin. I um I think I've talked about um uh Jimmy before. I don't remember her anymore. I, I you know, and it's funny because I don't remember what I say and what I cut out uh sometimes. Uh but anyway, I had a I had a um I had a cousin. Oh, I talked about this on the Metallica episode of Unfunny Nerd Tangent. That's what it was. I didn't talk about it on my own show. But I talked about it on a different show. Anyway, I had an older cousin. And he introduced me to Metallica and, and heavier music. Through line between um hanging out with him and some of my some of my musical tastes. Specifically and especially Metallica. Um he had um struggles with drugs, and it finally got the better of him um you know, drugs and depression and uh codependency um he 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 was a troubled um troubled guy and um and he died of a drug overdose but in those situations is it self-inflicted is it accidental uh, that that's one of those unknowable things um i i feel bad for him now worse than i did when i was a kid because he was going through stuff i didn't understand i understand a lot now um i'm not saying that i'm having the same struggles that that he is and and maybe i do have my own issues with 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 codependency um oh, that that was a whole nother aspect of the kevin smith thing that i didn't even talk about the The aspect of being a a people pleaser and and the codependency that goes with that, and that was the stuff that that holy shit really resonated with me because I don't know what I want for myself, but I do know I want to make other people happy um, and so anyway that the, there's yeah a significant amount of uh, codependency there, but um, I don't know. I, I mean, I I still have the guy's leather jacket, for example. Like, um, I think I told this story um, on on the Metallica episode because, like, my my friendship with with my older cousin uh, Jimmy, like you know, it's 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 inseparable my my um affection for metallica and my friendship with him so it's like but um after he died um and and all of his um uh stuff was gone through liquidated and and stuff like that i do, i don't remember the conversation that i had with my mom but it was something to the effect of like she's she's talking about like the things that, that she got rid of. And I told her, I was like, well, if you were just giving it away, I would have liked to have had that jacket. And um, and I think she had already sold it to like a pawn shop or something like that. So I think she went over and like bought it back or something, if I'm remembering it correctly. And even, even if I'm not, it doesn't matter but she um gave me the jacket and and it's just basically a black leather biker jacket you know with like all the, the zips and snaps and stuff like that and um i wore that jacket all through high school um because i i think he passed away when i was either 14 or 15 um i would almost have to go back through yearbook yearbook photos photos because like it, it's I mean it's it's the difference between freshman year and, and sophomore year and it's like um, freshman year I, I'm wearing like a you know kind of like a, a denim uh, kind of kind of pseudo uh, Letterman style jacket where it's like you know it's 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 a denim jacket Oh, always no fear that's right I had fucking no fear on it and uh, and the colored sleeves and all of that uh my uh, my girlfriend at the time got the same jacket but in a different color weird uh but anyway the year after that black leather jacket and i think that also kind of informed not necessarily my personality but i think how people perceived me you know that i was you know harder more abrasive and um I don't know. Sometimes I leaned into it, sometimes I didn't, but it always kind of weirdly gave me a complex because it's like, well, wait a sec, you're friendly. What's the deal with the jacket? You know. I don't know. I I I don't know why I'm talking about about that, about that so much. But um I'm I'm still on the topic of um suicide. And My high school best friend it was a cat named Rich. I um we had been friends since, I don't know, age ten, maybe twelve. Um, I I I don't remember. You know, sometimes I feel like I, I should do math and like have some of these numbers in my head. So he wasn't my childhood best friend. I didn't have a childhood best friend. Um we moved around all the time. You know, didn't didn't stay in one place for more than a year, so I have no childhood friendships. Um I well shit, I I don't even really have any childhood I, uh high school friends. Um I mean th- th- there's a couple folks that I'm casually acquainted with that have since found me on Facebook. Um, I was a almost a middle-aged man where um, a- until I found uh, my best friends. and my best friends are um the people I do content with because though those friendships are true and genuine and and mean the absolute world to me which is why I hurt so much when, when I turn around and be assholes i when when i be an asshole to them and it's um got me all mixed up like so so anyway so like um let's see how how do i want to parse this out <sighs> So Rich was my friend for, for a very long time. We kind of, kind of in our formative years type of thing. Um, through middle school and high school, we, uh, lived in different places during middle school. We didn't go to the same, ironically enough, we, we had been friends for like, I don't know, like five, six years before we, we went to, went to the same school together. Finally in high school. Um, I was, I'm a year older, um, so I was, I was, I was a year ahead, so I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sophomore, he's a freshman, that kind of thing, and, um, he had, um, struggles with drugs as well, um. Uh, he, he, he's the guy I would smoke weed with, you know, it's like, you know, so actually it was, it was like a whole thing, like mid high school. Um, I learned that his house had a basement, had an unfinished basement. It had been there the whole time. And, but now when, when a bunch of like gangly teenagers need somewhere to hang out, like, uh, like, like it's that 70s show or something like that. We went to the unfinished basement, smoked out, uh, uh, uh you know drank drank whatever we could get our hands on uh so a lot of Boone's farm uh, a lot of ice house a lot of Mickey's ice um his mom would hook us up uh occasionally so then we'd get like Natty ice or Bud ice or it was the 90s it was the style at the time um he didn't he didn't get into harder stuff Until actually, we had started to drift. And we, um, we drifted apart, uh, after high school, just, just two different trajectories. Um, I, I was on a career path. He was not. Um, he started getting into harder drugs. And the club scene. Um and and I just I I had outgrown it. I I just I, I didn't I didn't have any interest or appetite for that. And I was into my own stuff. I I had a girlfriend. I had a job, and I was developing interests that didn't include him. You know, friends drift, you know it it happens. I didn't invite him to my wedding um, i i I don't think I wanted him there. On on my one year or our our one year wedding anniversary, get a knock on my door, and it's a, a mutual friend of uh, of me and Riches, um, a, a dude that that came into our lives much later. Um. I, I I kind of put him in the category Oh, it's it's one of your new friends. Yeah, I don't like new people. Um tells me that that Richard passed away. And the circumstances well he he didn't tell me this at the time. Sorry, time passes. to this day i i don't know the specific circumstances so it it's ambiguous it could be one of those things that i can interpret however i want um he was uh prone to seizures i don't know if he had a specific ...medical condition or what it was, but what I do know is that he um, had to take pills. And he had to take pills at a certain time. This is so vivid to me because I'm the guy. I'm the asshole guy. I'm the asshole friend that will keep the time and say it's nine o'clock you need to take your pills. Well I don't want to. Well I'm like, you know what, take it up with your mom. She asked me to make sure that you take your pills. So I I don't know if that's where some of my overclocked responsibility comes from. I don't know. Maybe. But what I do know is that when they found him and was counting up the number of pills, you know, for for his prescription for his seizures, he had stopped taking them. And... It, it was a multiple things because I, I I think I think the official I I don't know what the official cause of death was I I don't I don't know if his uh, uh, girlfriend at the time told me and if she did I don't remember. But it was it it was the the convergence of he had a bunch of drugs in his system, so he either um died by overdose. Or um, from seizures. I don't know. Either way. I don't think either was accidental. Because the thing I also knew about my friend is he had bouts of depression and he had the same anger issues I did. We were, we were like two angry kids together and like every once in a while, like as kids, we would fight and like actually fight like, like, like wailing on each other. Like, like we were the worst of enemies because it would be like, you know, you you broke my snake eyes. Well, you took my storm shadow, that kind of thing, and th- and that's the other thing. So it's like, um, he was storm shadow, I was snake eyes, all the way. Like, you know, I I was all about, you know, I like ninjas, but I like a ninja with a machine gun. And he was like, nah, dude, you know, no guns, all bladed weapons and stuff stuff like that. So so those two characters were very much, um of of a kind with us but um i so I, I i don't i don't know why he died i i i don't know if it was intentional like he stopped taking his pills because he was lazy and Didn't have someone there to remind him. Or. he stopped taking his pills because he knew what would happen. I don't know. And I will never know. And that was. 19 years ago. And I still think about it. And, and it, and it hurts me to my core because there was no future in that relationship. And, you know, because like we, we had him over a couple times and, um, he and Lucky just did not get along. Um, he was crass and abrasive and you know he had changed i had changed and you know it's it's it, it's a relic from the past so i mean i i think i think i even said at one point i'm there's a part of me that's glad that that he's passed away now i don't have to stress about what to do with him And that's some hateful shit. That's some hurtful, hateful shit. That's something that I would say that I would be so selfish about someone who I I identified as my best friend. And now I'm glad they're dead because I don't know how to have an adult relationship as I'm I'm a grown-up married person with, with a career. What's that say about me? So, as as you can tell, I, I I carry some guilt. Um i i i I carry guilt around my neck. Um. But, but I, I guess where where, where I was going with all this, I think maybe this is where I was going, is that I'm not a stranger to suicide. And I don't know if that's what puts that in my crosshairs or puts that on my mind. I don't know. but then and it gets into the imposter syndrome again we'll go back to the title of the episode am i even supposed to be here today and again i i'm not trying to scare you i swear to christ i'm not um but i am i am struggling so hard that i don't know if i want to be here And, and it's hard because like, I, I take a step back and I get perspective and, and I see the, the, the lives that I touch. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I could do the whole uh, fucking, it's a wonderful life, you know, alternate timeline where I'm not here type of thing. And, 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 and I get it. I mean, I, I get that I, put something of value into the world. It's just that I wish I could value it the same way you do. Um, I mean, one of the things I, I've, I've taught myself over the last few years as, as I've been more assertive in, in creating content is to be graceful with compliments. I cannot take compliments to save my life. I, I, I bristle at, at compliments. And and it's like, but Mike, you're a podcaster. Um, you're active on social media. Don't you want attention? And I'm like, yeah, but also no, I, I, I don't know how to untangle that. Um, do I want like, you know, clicks and shares and stuff? Of course I do. Um, Do I get overwhelmed when like, you know, something that I do goes like medium viral? Definitely. It, it's like it spikes my anxiety. There was a time when I wanted my shows to reach a larger audience and I craved it and i i wanted that so badly i wanted people to like you know like and share and talk about my shows and um i started seeing that and and this this is kind of like the beginning of a weird weird dynamic i um I started making friends through making content. And then so the, the, the feedback I would get would be from my friends that I had made through making content. But what I wanted was that type of feedback, but from strangers. Losing sight of the value of the friends I had made, and them taking the time to compliment me on on my work, and and that they liked what I was doing, and that I connected with them, it was never good enough for me for for a um, a long time. I'm a terrible friend, by the way. Um my friends especially like in the online space know me so well that you know they'll 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 send me posts it's like hey man here's a thing with transformers the movie on it i don't do that for other people it's not it's not reciprocal is it because i don't pay attention to what they're into do i not engage on that level i i'm not sure but in this life there are givers, and there are takers, and I am a taker i don't i don't mean to be i don't set out to be because that puts me in the same categories like scumbags i I'm not a scumbag i I am accidentally shifty like in in the way that I communicate sometimes um but like as far as like friendships and and those dynamics, it, it it's take, take, take. Um, or more or less, like, I receive what is given. I take what is given. Um. But yeah, I mean I mean, somewhere along the way, I don't even remember when. Where I lost interest in wanting to like grow the show. I lost interest in stuff like keeping a consistent schedule or all of the traditional things that you're supposed to do to be a successful podcaster. I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. I don't. I, I do shows for me and my friends I used to say when I was on KGRG, I could do a good show or I could do a fun show. There are people in my life that tells me that I, I've, it's not either or that I found the balance. The people like Mike Seibert Radio. The people like Two Mike's Too Furious. They like hearing me on other shows. They like me. I don't like me. And maybe if I could find a way to like me, maybe I'd feel a little better. I'm still working on it. As I said, I I just, I wish I could love myself the way that you love me. I think I'm going to pack it up um i do have more to say that that i i might say a different time um there's a couple things i i do want to close out with though Be, um going back to this this kevin smith thing um he he talks about Coming out of therapy, and I'm going to read from this People magazine article again. Um, He learned about the healing power of self-acceptance, a life-altering concept uh, for Smith, who has always judged his self-worth by his ability to entertain others. Equally helpful were mindfulness exercises he was taught, like concentrating on his breath, that he now uses to stay focused in the present. Quote, it was eye-opening to me. Uh, because I'd always spent the majority of my time depressed about the past or anxious over the future. In the days ahead, Smith says, uh, Smith knows the days. A- I already read this and and now it's, it's a couple hours later. I'm tongue tied on it. The days ahead, Smith knows, will be filled with plenty of emotional ups and downs as he learns how to cultivate a better understanding of what he calls his authentic self, while also spreading the message to his fans about the importance of looking after their mental health. Quote, deal with your trauma, kids, Smith says in the video. I'm dealing with mine. Go take care of your mind. And um, the end of the articles... Says, if you or someone you know needs mental help, text STRENGTH, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H, to the crisis text line at 741-741 to be connected to a certified uh, crisis counselor. Um, I don't, give me a sec. Let me find this here. Uh Um, since I'm mentioning it here also, um, uh, help is available at the suicide and crisis lifeline. Um, you just dial nine, eight, eight, it's available 24 hours and, um, I, I, I know I was winding down and I was trying to put things on a on a higher note but it knocked loose some of the kind of like imposter syndrome feeling that i feel i i'm saying that i am struggling with my mental health i'm telling you that i'm struggling with dealing with it um but also just my my main obstacle is that i can't seem to find the time to find a counselor (laughs) you know that kind of thing and i mention it here and now because i i think these are valuable resources um you know the the um uh you know the uh the uh um suicide prevention hotline you know ha- having that available and having this um having this uh um uh, crisis text line um available i have picked up and put down the phone several times and where i land and why i don't dial any of those numbers is I realize in that moment when I'm about to tap the numbers that I'm not in crisis. I'm not having a crisis. I'm having difficulties. I'm having struggles, having challenges, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm in crisis. I don't know. Maybe I am, but, but, At the end of the day, I have resources available. I'm just not using them because I'm lazy or because I'm cheap. I don't know what that says about me. I don't know. Um... So clearly, I, you know, have issues, problems, challenges, but I will tell you though. Oh, see, see, maybe, maybe the the this is probably a better high note. I talked a lot about my issues. At work. And I had told my wife this and I had told my coworkers this. Ironically enough, the day that I had had that meltdown and got a talking to and lashed out and told people they were dumb. Every single day, I get out of my car and I walk to the building and I get in the elevator. When I get in the elevator, the doors close. When the doors close, I close my eyes and I can feel the elevator going up. Gets to my floor. And as I feel the elevator um, settle, I put a smile on my face and I open my eyes as the doors open. And I do that for two reasons. One, I don't know who's on the other side of those doors. And I would like that the first thing they, they see from me is a smile. But I also do it for myself to really cement that it's the start of a new day. You know, it's, it, it's, it's the promise of new adventure. And in my perception, every single day I go through that ritual and every single day within minutes, moments of me coming into the office, something happens to piss me off. Either like somebody getting in my face, people asking me questions or people hassling me for something before I've even taken my jacket off. I've become weirdly territorial about that, too. I was like, and I put my hands up. I'm like, I haven't even taken my jacket off. It's a weird boundary that I never had before. Um, And, and I'm explaining this to to my friends at work. And really what it comes down to is expectations. Expectations and disappointment. But... In the days following my last meltdown at work, I have taken very specific effort to um, to hold my temper and to just really be mindful of my surroundings. And... In two days, I haven't yelled at anybody. And aside from this for comedic event uh, effect, I haven't beat on any countertops in anger. I haven't thrown anything. And I haven't raised my voice inappropriate at work. So I'll I'll take that small victory. I'll take that small victory. I I, got to start somewhere. Um, so yeah, I'm just, uh, I think I'll leave it here for now. Um, I, I don't know if this is helpful to you or, or if it's just me exposing myself for how selfish and spoiled and, and, and entitled, um, that I am. Like I said, I I, I hope we can still be friends after this, but I had to do something. And I feel like talking into a microphone for three hours and literally just tiring myself out. I, I feel like there's almost nothing left because I'm just it's all just coming out. And and even then, like like a normal counseling session would only be like like an hour and I'm going on hour three. Um my throat is scratchy. My jaw hurts. Um I think I'm about talked out for now. I will probably go back and listen to this and and realize a whole bunch of stuff that that I I didn't talk about or maybe didn't give enough context to, but that's okay. We I can always do I could always do another uh existential dreadcast but hopefully I might not have to so you know normally at this time I I'd be like well and that'll do it for for today's episode thanks so much for hanging around with me and for listening and if you want to listen to all my shows go find them um but obviously we're 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 doing something different um so I will uh just say, if you are struggling, you're not alone, you can always reach out to me you know and and that's the other thing it's like i you know i I know coming in for a landing and then pulling back up terrain pull up, pull up, pull up, um. I I have I have the most amazing friends. I remember when I tweeted I don't know if I'm even supposed to be here today. The amount of folks that reached out to make sure that I was okay. First of all, I was like, "Damn it. Just when you think Nobody is paying attention. Someone is always paying attention. And I know that I have people that care about me. And that means the fucking world. And, and that's, that's why I'm still here. For you. I, I don't know if I'm here for me. I, I'm here for you. So, I mean, again, if, if you want to talk. Um, I, I'm, I'm always available, um, but I'm, 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 I'm just going to leave it there for now. Um, and until next time, take care of each other, take care of yourselves and make good choices.